Hakeem Jimo is a vegan entrepreneur who co-founded Veggie Victory together with Bola Adiyanju, Nigeria's premier plant-based restaurant turned food company. Veggie Victory started in 2013 as a restaurant before introducing VegChunk, the first commercially produced meat substitute in Nigeria, available now in many stores nationwide. VegChunk is a food option for people prone to non-communicable diseases, those looking for more affordable protein sources, and of course, lifestyle changers. Hakim, welcome to the show. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. Before I get into the interview with our guest, Mr. Akeem Jimo, I would like to shout out Endgame, the strategy company in Abuja, Nigeria. Endgame is an integrated strategy, technology, marketing, and creative agency that has been a great friend to the podcast. If you are looking for a company and a marketing company to help you with your business, check them out at endgamehq.com. Now let's get into the episode. Hakeem, welcome to the show. Yeah, hi, Michelle. Great to be here. Nice to have you. Why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about you and your your company, Veggie Victory. Yeah, thanks. So, um, Happy New Year. I wish everybody a great 2021, you know, um, healthy, happy, and um, yeah, all the good things. So, this upfront, this is January still. Um, <laughs> So, and uh, especially with healthy food, uh, it will be a great year. And this is what we do at Veggie Victory. We are Nigeria's first plant-based food tech company. And that means um, we started as a vegan restaurant already almost eight years back. And then we quickly realized, oh, there's really demand, you know, for healthier eating. And how can we reach more people? And then we decided to, um, to develop a product. And that is uh, Vichong's a meat substitute product. Um, 100% plant-based, obviously, um, and this is really our main show right now, um, um, distributing Bichongs in Nigeria and actually also already the diaspora, so we get requests from literally everywhere, you know, where there's an African diaspora, and um, yeah, uh, and that's what we do now. Before I say too much, you know. So, Akeem, tell me, what was the specific problem that you were solving when you started Veg Victory? Because you started a vegan restaurant in a country and on a continent where, at the time that you started, the vegan lifestyle was so alien. It's not really something that people were doing on the continent. And if they were, it was mainly among, let's say, the expat community. So what were some of the early challenges that you had um, with the vegan restaurant and then as you transitioned it into a product-based business, which is, it, which is what it has evolved into now? So just walk us along a little bit with the evolution. Because I know that you and I connected several years ago when I was working with the U.S. African Development Foundation, and we had a project with some women in the south of Senegal in Casamance who were making vegan meat out of the cashew fruit. And I know we had sent them to Lagos for your Veggie Fest that you were having um, back then. And you can also talk about Veggie Fest and what that is. I don't know if it's still going on. And so just talk about the early challenges of bringing um, veganism and the vegan lifestyle and eating plant-based and clean to a continent where it was very new. 
Yeah, that's uh, uh, is plant-based food really new to Africa? It's a huge topic. You know, I actually would argue it's not really. We were always, uh, if you look at very uh, traditional meals, um, and all the, up to today, we are not really eating much meat compared to the American standard diet. We're actually ridiculously uh, eating um, less meat. You know, um, just to give you an idea. Uh, uh, average American 120 kilograms of uh, chicken, and the average uh, in Africa five kilogram. You know, so it's it's huge difference. So we never really ate much meat. Um, the, uh, fish was more the source of protein, but really many uh, meals were always plant based because um, yeah, we we never had much meat. Meat meat was always a uh, um, a kind of prestigious things for festivities. Even if you talk to uh, elderly people today, they are telling you we ate three times a year meat, you know, uh, for a wedding or something. So um, it is not really a strange concept. The the word vegan, term vegan, yes, but plant-based, not really, you know. Um, uh, so we have to kind of um, reintroduce uh, ways of eating. Eating has changed in Africa. Um with uh, colonization, uh, more meat suddenly became uh, the norm, you know, like everywhere in the world, you know. Um, and then the, the, the diseases, non-communicable diseases also increased. So the challenges were like, uh, um, we are coming with a concept that is kind of, it was there, it's not alien, but uh, it's kind of still behavior change. Everything behavior change investors will get frightened, you know, because it takes a long time. So you mentioned it, it is a kind of visionary project, you know, and uh, when we work together um, with the, the women cooperative from Senegal that came really, that was really visionary stuff. Um, I always knew it's not going to uh, uh, go through uh, off the charts immediately, but uh, the trend was always clear for me. And one thing I've learned in in Africa and Nigeria, and is, I think I'm still believing it is global trends eventually come here. And the global health trend was obvious. You know that um, um, people want to be healthier. Um, you have role models. And then when you have uh, even um, celebrities in the US, you know, Beyonce, Kevin Hart going plant-based, uh, or at least for some time, I knew this will also come here. And it was not always the expat community. You have a lot of returnees who knew the lifestyle. And even Nigerians or Africans, they realized, whoa, you know, this health of a thing is, is serious. You know, we have major problems with hypertension, blood pressure, high blood pressure, um, cancer, diabetes. It's going through off the charts, you know, and... Uh, People are wondering, and it's not only in, in Africa, it's emerging countries, Mexico, obesity is crazy, Kenya, the same thing. So we realize we have a huge problem. It's, it's a tsunami that is coming. At the same time, we don't have the medical facilities uh, or nobody has health insurance, nobody has extra money to spend, you know, like, and people are realizing, hey, we, I need to do something about, yeah, my diet, you know, it's not only meat, it's also processed food, sugar, sugar is crazy, salt, you know, with all this uh, ramen noodles. So it's a whole bunch of things, but you're absolutely right. It, is, it, is, uh, it was quite uh, challenging in the beginning. Um, also, I know that uh, 
in a country of 200 million people, there have to be other people than uh, like me, you know, like it, it, it was kind of mission driven. I, I am a vegan vegetarian, vegetarian 19 years and then the last eight years vegan. So I knew that um, uh, it is good for me. There have to be other people. Um, but it was not and it's still not really like, hey, let's make some money. Let's go into vegan business. Still not mainstream even not abroad, you know, so it is a bit of hype now, but uh, um, yeah, like they say, don't believe the hype. You still need to do really some fundamental things. And um, um, yeah, uh, I can talk on for hours. You have to come in. Um, <laughs> no, I'm giving you a platform to speak. So now it, you've been at this for a long time. How long have you had Veggie Victory? Because when we talk about entrepreneurship, a lot of people like to think that things are overnight. And oftentimes an overnight success takes about 10 years. I know, I know that you have been at this for a long time and things are just now starting to, to pick up and turn. And I now see that there are now investors looking into investing in plant-based businesses and i've seen you participating in these incubators and, and 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 you know going through these funding challenges and things like that and 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 getting the interest of investors for what you're doing with veggie victory but i know that it's been a long road so for the sort of aspiring entrepreneur on the content who's thinking about doing something particularly if it's something that's somewhat novel, right, and not mainstream, what advice would you have to give about what types of obstacles one faces when getting started and what the real timeline and trajectory is um, it is to actually take off with an idea? Yeah, you know, it's only my bits and pieces I can um, um, pass on, you know. But uh, We're only interested uh, in your advice here. You're, you're the yeah, guest. I don't, I, what works for me might not work for others, but I, I think I come across uh, things that repeat itself. So uh, one of my mentors told me, um, don't expect any returns in two years. And I think that's overly optimistic. You know, uh, what you said, 10 years might be a bit long, because it's very hard to, to go on for 10 years, but two years, uh, don't expect anything. So you need a, no, not a kind necessarily of... Not to not um, generate any profit, but be the type of success that people see. Like once they start to see you as a big thing, just the understanding that it's like that picture with the iceberg with a little bit up at the top, but all of the stuff that is underneath that is indicative of how long it's really taken to get that exponential growth sometimes yeah i mean um i mean ultimately um it's important to get to the break-even point you know if you have exponential growth that's fine but i think realistically um if you can make a business sustainable that means you have to get to the break-even point and that's a huge uh, achievement if you if you uh, get to that break-even point because that means you can go on and it supports you if you now have exponential growth, fantastic. But I think that would be an add-on. So um, definitely two years I, I realized in our business, and we started in 2013, so it's almost in May, we're going to have eight years, that after two years I realized, oh, the business can, that was the restaurant, can carry itself, you know. Um, and then we were looking through um, for exponential growth 
with other products, and that was the, the retail product. Uh, I saw a book, uh, somebody said, you need to invest 10,000 hours, and then whatever you do, it will work, you know, so you can also break it down. Um, uh, and it's also, uh, I heard uh, the other day, I came across something that was called timing. The most important thing that influences impacts your business is timing, you know? And I think that's so true. Like uh, uh, we were doing seven years and we saw growth, but now with the, uh, the COVID, for us, it's an opportunity. It's now on everybody's front burner that health is really critical. So we see this as a, as a, um, yeah, kind of blessing in disguise. Who knows? Maybe I'll say something else next year, you know? Um, but, uh, uh, and also the, the, the global trend of plant-based, what you just mentioned. Um, apparently, obviously, there's more money flowing into plant-based because there's a strong scientific connection between um, sustainability of Earth, of mothership Earth, you know, and uh, eating meat. Um, eating meat, and this is not radical now, uh, I, I can be an activist, but uh, it's scientifically proven. Eating meat is not sustainable uh, environmentally. So uh, um, if you want a climate-friendly diet, you have to basically go plant-based, you know? And, and the kind of diet we're having uh, is, is completely unsustainable. So um, a lot of people and also rich people in this world are getting really worried about what's going on with uh, planet Earth. It's not sustainable. So you cannot avoid um, meat eating. Meat eating is the single highest contributor to global warming. You know, that's a fact. I know many people don't want to hear it, but that's it, you know. Uh, uh, they, they have, you Google all the, the numbers, you know, all transportation combined, that's flying, airplane, uh, cars, is only 40% of what livestock does, you know. So if you want to somehow get humanity to say sustainable, to be sustainable, you need to address the, the, the meat eating, you know. Um, so money flows in there. That's the good news because a lot of people are getting worried about what's happening, you know. 10 billion people, if we're all eating the American standard diet, forget it. You know, um, you can make the whole Amazon forest uh, a, a soybean uh, plantation to feed animals, you know. Crazy stuff like uh, the Republic of Cattle, you know, if it was there, would be the fifth largest state in the world, you know. So all this thing is out there. So good thing is money flows into that. So if you, if you have a business that, um, and that's kind of advice, um, if you have a business that can demonstrate that you take animals out of the equation, this is the right time. Um, there are platforms we just participated in. Uh, there's a, a, a plant-based uh, funding in Europe. It's called Vevolution, like evolution. So let's but get into that um, a bit. So I was getting to that. So the name of the show is called Where's the Funding? And so can you walk us through your fundraising journey? Um, where you started, yeah, where so, did you get the money initially to start the restaurant? How how have you been fundraising um, till now? And and what has changed in the fundraising landscape for you as someone in the vegan plant-based space? Yeah, so uh, simple. You know, the uh, we got our first money, uh, real third-party money uh, last year. But before that, so that means almost seven years of uh 
basically our own money. I was uh, still working. And then it was only um, two years ago that I decided I would completely switch to Veggie Victory. Um, and also I can say something about that. If you if you are looking for funds, you need to be 100% dedicate 100% of your time to that business. Otherwise, um, investors will shy away. If you still have a side job, investors will get worried. So, but that's that's like the big step, you know. Like uh, if you have a job, you know, I was in uh, PR. I had a PR company, so I was that. That's what where the money came from. And then should I completely leave it, you know? And then uh, that means uh, income is going away. That was funding the business for. Uh, for uh, six six years or whatever, and uh, but if you if we want to grow, then we have to make the switch. So oh, the first years it um, was entirely. So what about people? So let's talk about the organic funding side of things because one of the things that people need to understand, especially you know, on the continent, is that funding takes a long time sometimes, and you might have to organically fund yourself. And a lot of people do that by having a, a job a steady paycheck, and then they use their paycheck to fund their business. Now, for people who might not be in that position where what they're earning is enough to, to invest in, in that business, like what advice do you have around sort of organic funding and, and you being the first investor and dedicated to putting money in your business while you are in pursuit of external funding? Yeah, Michelle, this is the tricky one. You know, I can I can only tell you how we did it. You know, so um, let me quickly tell you how we did it. So the eight, the first five years, it was uh, basically subsidized by my salary. You know, um, and then when we made the switch that uh, I I work completely for Veggie Victory, uh, we had to bridge like one year no income from the old job. You know. And still no funding from uh, third parties into Veggie Victory, and then we got uh, uh, friends and family. That is normally the, organically the first step. You know, first you use your own funds to to even demonstrate to your friends and family that you're serious about it. Then you get a friends and family uh, loan. You know, um, and then we got that one year after I quit my job. We got a, a bit of friends and family money. And then it was only March last year, we got the first uh, um, investment, a kind of impact loan, you know? Well, I'm actually next to a mosque, but uh, so it's authentic. I'm not calling from uh, London or something. I'm really here in Lagos, Nigeria, you know? Um, so, um, and then, so it was literally, so almost eight years we're doing it and we got our first real money in March last year. And then it's, uh, it went quite quickly. And uh, I, I attended lots of webinars. And I remember one thing. Somebody said, once you get your first funding, it's like penguins. You know, one jumps into, into the water and everybody else jumps into the water. It's because everybody really is waiting to see who's going to be the first mover so yeah, that they and, can develop their confidence that there's something there. Absolutely. And then uh, if, if, if they see somebody is putting money in, uh, and that's not really friends and family, some external investor uh, puts in money, they feel more confident that, uh, oh, somebody else has put money. And that's the, the penguin jumping effect, you know. 
Yeah, and now we uh, we got uh, in March last year we got an impact. Uh, uh, it was it's basically debt, you know, um, kind of convertible, but it's basically debt. And then uh, we got an angel investment, small. And then the same people, that's from the vegan community. The first one was really a, a, an African um, uh, entrepreneurship supporting program. So nothing with vegan. And then we realized, uh, oh, we, we can actually really, it's more efficient if we uh, look for specifically plant-based funding, you know. And that has been growing. And now um, we really made some steps. I don't know how, how much you want me to explain that one. Um, but, uh, no, that would I, we be don't another... mind. So why don't you why don't you walk us through the process a little bit for those who are listening who are seeking funding and are looking for external support from you know whether it's debt, um, venture capital type funding, whatever it is, so that they can understand a little bit better about what the process what the process is from your personal experience, of course. Yeah, yeah, it's really a learning curve. Also for me, two years ago, I didn't know. 10% uh, uh, as that as much as I, I know now. So for us, uh, there is this term, you need to become investment ready. You know, what does it mean? You know, is also what does it mean and being investment ready. But uh, to get an idea, like um, we applied for, there's an organization here, Fate Foundation, and they just train aspiring entrepreneurs with the basics, you know, and it's really it has a, all from all trades. So uh, you, it's like a three-month course. You had to apply and pitch, you know, what you do. And then uh, we got in. That one was specifically for nutrition. So we quickly knew that, oh, uh, instead of competing with some fintech companies, you need to find uh, where are we? We are in nutrition. So is there anything for nutrition? So this is like a general advice, like... Uh, Try, yeah, I guess it's the unique selling point. What do you have? And is there funding specifically for that, you know? Um, if you're in tech, there's a lot there for tech. If you're in nutrition, uh, you know, even nutrition was like, a, 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 there was not much, there, were, there was not much funding going into nutrition, but even that is changing now, you know? Um, or education, I just learned that uh, investors were really shy about um, uh, at tech and uh, education tech uh, companies, and now with COVID, it suddenly changes the game. You know, um, so and and that's um, what you yeah. Well, you know, sometimes it, it's timing because COVID has changed the game, and it's created the opportunity for different types of businesses that investors wouldn't have been so hot to even look at that they're looking at now. Exactly. It's also timing. You know, if you uh, if you work for Zoom, you know, and uh, suddenly there's COVID, uh, <laughs> this is for them. It's like a, a Christmas and Easter together, you know, um, or if you if you do online uh, 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 anything, online business, it's 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 kind of catalyzator, you know, um, um, and others not. So it's really timing. But maybe coming back to the funding, you know, so you need to become investment ready. So try to get into, and there are lots of programs, especially in Africa, you know, um, they try to put, uh, let you go through a three-month program. And at least, even if you're not coming out perfectly at the end, but you start learning about, uh, I, okay, I need a pitch deck, you know, that's like a standard thing, you know, so let me work on the pitch deck. Let me work on a, a business model canvas, you know, all of that. Um, and even even after three months, you still 
but at least you started the journey. Uh, and we were not getting any money after those uh, three months. And I was kind of disappointed, you know, but um, you, it's really a journey. And then um, um, you work your way up, you know. Uh, we went even after this, uh, um, uh, what that entrepreneurship program. They even invited us to go to Kenya for uh, a Nutrition Africa Investment Forum. We didn't go back with, with uh, $100, you know. I said, I mean, I told the guys, you should have given us the money to lodge us five days in a, in a four-star hotel than walking away with, with zero money. What's that going to help, you know? But looking back, you need to go through all of that. You, you become more savvy. You have your pitch deck. Uh, you need to learn the terms um, uh, investors are talking in, you know? And, uh, uh, and then... Yeah, yeah. Suddenly, you have your pitch deck. Then you have your uh, your business plan. Obviously, you know. But all that takes time. Then, eventually, the first uh, you make the first contact with an investor, and they also see how much how much do you know already. You know, like if they offer you um, now, uh, okay, they offer you what do you want? Do you want debt or equity? That's the first thing. And then. I didn't know two years ago how to answer that, or is it mezzanine or what? You know, so you learn the terms, and um, and I learn every every day basically. You know, then suddenly they come up with, um, then you find there are different uh, convertible notes. You know, and there's uh, easier ones called uh, safes. You know, a simple agreement for future equ equity, and all of that. You know, uh, it's really a journey. You have to just start get into one of those programs. And there are many out there for women, especially for if you're in the agricultural business, you'll find a lot uh, tech. You and then um, you get smarter with every step, you know. And then it really brings you to whenever you now have the chance to be in front of an investor, you need to be ready, you know. So for you, what was the most pivotal thing? Do you think? in getting that first initial third-party investment. What do you think turned things around for you? Yeah, and that's maybe uh, where we come to connections, you know, and uh, um, uh, it was basically through a connection, really random, and uh, the only advice I can give is uh, network as much as you can. You won't know where the next contact is coming from. Go on LinkedIn, connect with people. You know, it might be that friend of a friend that suddenly knows something. You know, it, uh, the first investment was purely luck. You know, it was uh, a friend uh, had a visitor from Germany and uh, uh, they came to our restaurant um, because they, they liked uh, plant-based food. And then um, the lady said, oh, uh, if you're whenever you're in Germany, um, uh, let me know. I know some people, you know, <laughs> and then uh, I, nothing. Well, happens. Also, and then tell I, the people that you're part German too. So, yeah, yeah, you need to whatever you have, you know. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm half German, half Nigerian. So, uh, to be honest, that helped. You know, I can, I, I'm, I, I can connect to the German community. But even there, I mean, it's only one investment we got. You know. It was literally the first one. We are expecting some in the future with uh, government agencies, you know, but we didn't even get it. You know, I think um, uh, in the beginning, you know, it's also 
the ticket size you are looking at because um, um, all this big money in Europe, it doesn't really help you because uh, their ticket sizes are simply too big. You know, um, we went for to the uh, the Africa Investor Forum, is it that? Uh, Afra, you know, that, um, um, and they had a deal room, but we couldn't really do because everything was... Oh, is that Agra? Agra, yeah, I think Agra, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, and we were invited there because we had this connection uh, through the nutrition network, but we couldn't do it because uh, the, the smallest ticket was $250,000. And I mean, it's, it's nice to have that money, but you need to uh, justify it, why you want that money and, uh, and uh, kind of show your revenue. If you, if you have a revenue of $10,000, uh, it is hard to tell them why you, you can get $250,000, you know? So, what really, and that's the, the, the so problem. I'm glad of, you mentioned that about ticket sizes because I feel like there's a ticket size mismatch on the continent um, where a lot of investors are coming in at ticket sizes where some of the smaller uh, companies and SMEs that are out there, they're, they're not at that size yet. Now, from your uh, experience, <laughs> I don't want to say who's more frustrating to work with, but or who is it? It seems a little bit easier to work with. Is it sort of like a development institution or an angel investor or one of these, uh, like a, a venture, a venture firm? And what's the difference working um, with the different types of funding entities that you've encountered along your journey? Okay, I think this is easy to answer. Um, you have to go for um, uh, angel investors because they have small ticket sizes. They 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 will take a lot from your equity. You know the but that's normal. The first deals you make, you always dilute a. But you need a little bit money. And and by the way, only take the money you really need. That's another advice. You know. Um, um, so, yeah, uh, just uh, Google it. You know, but uh, take the money you need to bring you to your next milestone. You know, so. Uh, but uh, you, you, um, it's more, it's much more difficult to get uh, development uh, money, um, and it's normally a step by step. You know, they like to see you will get much easier development money if you had an angel investor. So definitely, the first thing is get an angel investor, even if it's five thousand dollars. We got five thousand dollars, but it makes a huge deal when you now talk to the next people because then you can tell them here somebody invested money. You know. Um, so uh, a month, a year ago, we were happy about five thousand, and already now we are talking our, uh, about different numbers. But the five thousand will go a long way convincing the next. Um, so, um, so for small businesses, um, uh, go for grants. You know, if you, uh, but it takes a lot of time. You know, uh, but there is grant money, and that one is also small ticket sizes, and then you don't need to pay back. So there's lots of grants out there, but it takes a lot of time. But uh, uh, sometimes I think it's tricky because it takes so much time that you're wondering what business am I really doing? You know, it can really distract you from your business. That's when you have this phenomenon of grandpreneurs. Some people are only writing grants and you need to also be very good in writing grants. So it's it's tricky, but you also need some money, you know? So um, Well, that's why if, I just launched a course on grant writing. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can spend a lifetime on that, you know? Um, um, but if you can get a grant, it's great. You need money somehow, you know. 
get an angel investor, it's also great because they keep you on your toes. You know, um, I have we have a great investor, um, Ryan Bethencourt from from the U.S. You know, very visionary, um, and and he's saying take private uh, investors because they keep you on your toes. All this grant people, it's free money, but uh, it makes you kind of uh, lazy. You know. Um, uh, I, I, I know I'm throwing out a lot of things, you know, but it's a recording. You, you can you can repeat it, but I'm just giving you what what I learned. So, um, if you get a grant, fantastic. Uh, it it helps you move. But try to get an angel investor because that convinces much more other uh, investors. A grant does not really encourage other investors. After you have an angel investor, you can now go for. Uh, then you grow, and then you can really look for. Um, venture capitalist, you know, um, um, we just did our first venture capitalist fund in November. So we are just, I mean, two years ago, uh, I would have taken uh, two and a half thousand happily, you know, and, uh, and now uh, it's just a few months ago that we got our first um, venture capital investment, you know, and nine months ago, basically our, uh, our first angel investment. So try to get angel investment. If, uh, um, if there's any plant-based company out there, you know, uh, I heard of um, uh, a, a great company in Ghana, Talman. She's making um, uh, plant-based milk from uh, tropical almonds. You know, all that really there is. If you do something like that, uh, you can let me know. I can connect you. Um, but yeah, you need this. Uh, uh, I mean, we, I can really talk about this plant-based thing. There's opportunity there, but also generally uh, find find the niche where um, where's funding. You know, it's hard to pitch against if you let's say if you have a nutrition company to pitch against a fintech company. You know, it's like what what are we doing here? You know. Yeah. And I like that idea of making apples compete against apples and oranges against oranges, because otherwise it's just not going to be fair because a lot of external investors, they're looking for, you know, they like those those tech companies that can scale and grow quickly. And a lot of them, they understand that some of the other business types, they don't understand as, as much. And so it's a little bit more difficult for them to attract funding. And it's not that it's not a, a, a good idea. It's just that those guys probably are just not as familiar with what they're used to. And so the idea of having sort of specific funds for different types of industry, like a plant-based industry, and that's your type of business, then looking for funding within that space, looking for investors and funders who fund that type of thing. Now, Hakeem, yeah, you're getting into a product-based business now. Um, oh, let me add something. Sorry, Michelle, let me add something. Uh, um, just two more things here. Um, because we're talking about the funding gap and um, and also investors are also human beings. They have an expertise in a, in a specific field. Um, it's not that, oh, they have a pot of money and now they uh, they should just share it. No, it doesn't work like that. They, they need returns. So they only do um, what they really know. You know, even uh, People this rich guy, Warren Buffett, <laughs> they do what's familiar. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, it's the same for all of us. If you if you are good in uh, in one thing, in let's say frying akara, uh, you do you do. It's it's a bad, probably a bad idea if you now start selling real estate. You know, you need to. I mean, every entrepreneur does something because 
they have um, a specific knowledge about that. So it's the same for investors. And that's why Warren Buffett, for example, uh, I mean, you just read it. He's not investing in 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 tech stuff, in fintech stuff. He invests in traditional uh, traditional distribution stuff. So it makes sense for him. And the funding gap, yes. Let me just say one thing to the funding gap. So that is the biggest problem I think it is in Africa, that the ticket sizes are too big. We need $5,000 ticket sizes and $20,000, not uh, uh, $250,000. Um, so that is reality. It's a kind of uh, filter. Uh, I, that's the way it, I understand it now. It's like they want to see if you really... Uh, if you really can make it past this step, because it's also a truth that, uh, and even in the Western world, that 90% of the businesses fail, you know, uh, and uh, that's a loss for the investors. So maybe that's the threshold is high because they just want to see, are you are you still there in five years, you know, or are you one of the 90% that have given up, you know, uh, and um or to see how long you've carried on the business on your own without external yeah. investment. <laughs> it's as hard as it is. And uh, and uh, um, and maybe the biggest advice is really uh, if you find something that you are mission-driven, and I can speak for myself, I am so mission-driven about this stuff, you know, uh, and this is the last thing I'm going to do in, uh, in this life. You know, I'm also a bit middle-aged now, but... Uh, it is. I. It helps us so much because if you think like, oh, uh, if this doesn't work, I'm going to do the other thing. It shows in your determination, and the investors will know that. You know. So if you if you are really mission driven, then you don't have a problem. Then you are ready to spend this ten thousand hours or ten years, or like Elon Musk is saying, they ask him, what's the what's the what's the advice you can give young entrepreneurs, and he said, don't do it. You know. <laughs> he simply said, don't do it. Because the, the failure rate is so incredibly high, and and the investors don't want to don't want to invest with failures. You know, uh, if you were saying in, in three years, oh, you know, this is really this really too hard. You know, let me take a let me take an expat job or whatever. You know, <laughs> um, then they're they they are on the losing end, and they they want to avoid that. You know, but you wanted to jump to a new topic. Well, thank you for closing the loop on that. And now tell us about your journey into product-based distribution, production and distribution. How it happened or um, the idea? Yeah. Well, it was really, I mean, um, maybe a word to why did we start Veggie Victory? It was, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm vegan and I was just tired of not having, uh, not being able to eat the food I like, you know, and, uh, and whenever I travel, I see uh, vegetarian, vegan restaurants, and there was not one in in Lagos. And I said, "How is that possible?" And I I spent a lot of money eating uh, in Indian and Lebanese restaurants. And then I told my partner, "Listen, I'm spending. Uh, if, if I can save this money, it will spend. It will uh, it will pay for half of the rent we would spend on a, on a, if we do a vegan restaurant." So that's how it, it was. A, we saw a, a lack of um, um, supply and our own, um, what is the right word? You know, English is not my first language. It's like, it, uh, we, in need of something, I was in need of something. So I wanted to, um, fill, fulfill this need, you know? Um, so that's how Veggie Victory started. And then when it started working, I was happy that I have finally my vegan burger and my, my, uh, 
Then we did uh, vegan suya, you know, and kilishi, uh, and people were surprised. But we thought of What's how can we scale? What's the base for your vegan kilishi? Tell me all about it, because you know I love me some kilishi. Well, that's a trade secret, you know. But uh, <laughs> on the <laughs> uh, yeah, and we have a patent also for that. But it's a plant-based soy-wheat uh, combination, really. Uh, and then we have a special technique to get this texture that really works. Uh, what Africans want in terms of um, uh, the African taste wants in terms of meat texture, you know, because we believe that the the Western meat substitutes are not so ideal. We need local champions. Um, so that's really what we do, and that we can. How can it? It gives us it gives us the possibility to scale. You know, people called from Abuja or Port Harcourt, and we can't open restaurants. That's a different business model, and we decided against that. And uh, you can reach more people with the product. Um, so that's really how the product came up, that you can actually scale, you know. So tell us about your distribution um, channels for the product. Where can people get these? Oh, we're, still, we're still working on that. Uh, uh, you know, all the topics you're raising are big issues you know nothing works in africa as it does in 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 the in the us in the us i would go to walmart try to get on their shelves and suddenly i'm in 20000 stores there's nothing like that in uh, in in nigeria there we have some the biggest retailers or uh, known retailers are like shoprite which is south african and spar uh, and they have each 20 stores. What are you going to do with 20 stores in a, in a country of 200 million people? Um, there is no, there is no uh, Walmart. There is no Tesco, you know? Um, so distribution is the, it's, it's a, the biggest single thing. So we're figuring out that there are lots of small-scale supermarkets, um, but how do you... Uh, yeah, we are, as we speak, that's what we are trying to crack, you know? Um, but it's also a capacity thing, you know? It's not that we have a huge multi-million dollar factory. Um, we grow with the, with the, um, with the demand, uh, and I think that makes sense. Um, but yeah, and our product specifically is also something... You need to do a lot of one-on-one -on -one marketing. You need to explain it. You cannot just put it on a shelf and expect it to sell. You know, it doesn't work like biscuits or like Indomie noodles, the ramen noodles that you just bring so out. What's your marketing approach um, for that? Because you have to do a bit of education for your your market as well. So, what's your marketing strategy around that? All that is in the. Uh, of course, we have an idea. We have uh, our customer segmentation and. Uh, we know quite well where they are, you know, so, but uh, literally it's a new product. People come to us, they don't believe it's not meat. So uh, we know that if you put it on a shelf, it doesn't work. It needs to come with merchandising if it's in the supermarket. It's really a one-on-one -on -one marketing. Somebody needs to literally introduce the food to you. That, and then it works best. And the, con the highest conversion rates we have when we do wet sampling, that is, so wet sampling is another keyword. Um, when people are eating it. Because if you just show them the product, they are still very skeptical, you know? You, they literally have to eat it, and then you have this wow moment. Oh, really, you know? Um, so we need to find ways to get it into people's mouth. Uh, uh, wet sampling, that is, goes in hand in hand with uh, merchandising, food soldiers, as we call them. Uh, also, we just had our 
first big milestone. Um, we are partnering with um, um, a QSR quick serve restaurant. Uh, it's called Newly. Uh, that is, uh, they have um, uh, a dozen or so uh, stores in on the island uh, here in, in Lagos, um, and they are they are they have taken our product on their menu, and that is really important for us so that food businesses take our product on their menu. It's similar to meat substitute companies abroad. They're doing exactly the same thing when. Uh, Beyond Meat is telling you, oh, we are now in Starbucks. It's exactly the same game. So we have to do it also. Um, it's a validation. It's, it also is good for the distribution. And then really putting the food into people's mouths. That's, that's as, as simple as that. It's been quite a journey, hasn't it? Yeah, totally. And we're still in the first quarter, you know, we haven't even started, you know, um, I can tell you more where I see this. Uh, the, the bigger thing is, you know, what we are doing is not just a business idea. There's really mission behind it. Uh, um, personally, um, we want to get animals out of the equation because it's not sustainable for the environment. It's uh, horrible for animals' uh, rights. It's not healthy. Um, and we, we cannot feed people with animal protein. Um, Africans have the lowest intake of protein already. And now we are doubling population. And uh, what are you going to do? Have more herdsmen trying to graze their cattle and have more clashes? It won't work. We don't know cattle ranching. Even that is unsustainable because then you need to feed the animals. That means you need more soybeans and more corn. From That means you need more importation. We cannot pay for importation. So we are literally talking about food security, food systems, you know. Um, we want to, we need to find ways to feed the, uh, the 10 billion people. Uh, so this is much bigger than in the business idea. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, so there's a well, lot it's more. It's not just a business, it's a mission. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a much mission, bigger you than know? you and your, yeah. your desire to, to win with a business model, but really to serve. A social, a social. You mentioned that, you know, uh, another because I know this is really uh, 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 what the funding is like. Um, uh, uh, sustainability, it's another buzzword and it really works. Find, uh, see if your product is sustainable. You know, they, they uh, basically funds uh, are looking, even established funds are now screening their funding towards is it sustainable? And sustainable can be in many ways. Uh, just check the SDGs uh, the, um, um, from the United Nations. Find yeah, there are uh, lots of social impact funds um, available that absolutely where sustainability and stress, is one of them. Stress that out. You know, if you if your product or service has that uh, um, angle, stress it out and look for that funding. If you if you whatever it is, if you employ uh, women, if you if you are community-based, you know that from the US, uh, uh, USDAF or what, um, um, uh, if, if it supports community, if it's, uh, find that angle and you are in a much better position, especially against uh, FinTech and all of that, you know, where money is really flowing in, you know? Well, Hakeem, thank you so much for being so passionate and sharing your entrepreneurship journey with our listeners. Thank you for coming on this platform and sharing. And we wish you much success as you move forward into your the product distribution side of your business. 
And I would just like to take the opportunity to thank our listeners. And we hope that you got what you were looking for when you tuned into this episode. Make sure you stay tuned. And if you didn't get what you were looking for when you tuned in, make sure that you reach out to us and let us know what you would like us to discuss. Make sure you fill out this short survey in the show notes. And if you're looking to sponsor or be a guest on the show, reach out to us at where's the funding at gmail.com. Make sure that you are listening to us. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, uh, anywhere you, <laughs> you, you listen to your podcast. And make sure you follow us on socials. We're on Instagram at Where's the Funding Podcast and on Facebook at Where's the Funding Africa Edition. And make sure you follow your hosts, Lydia Nylander and Michelle McKenzie on LinkedIn. Now, Hakeem, tell our listeners where they can follow you on socials or connect with you. Yeah, and uh, um, please reach out, you know, um, networking is always the best, you know. Um, so Veggie Victory, um, uh, we have um, uh, our social uh, handles are Veggie Victory NG, or you can also look for vchunks.africa. Um, it's also the website, uh, veggievictory.com. Um, yeah, um, just you'll find us quickly or just Google vegan uh, Africa or vegan Nigeria. You know, you'll see us. All right. Thank you, Akeem. And to our listeners, see you for the next episode.